Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in Theta and Semitic Breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. Join us today on episode seven, where we talk all about the different love languages, how they could present in your horse, the importance of identifying that love language and also identifying your own. The value in this is really finding ways to connect even deeper with your horse and also identifying things that could be blocking you from that connection. Please enjoy this episode and don't forget we have a new membership and the information will be in the show notes. Okay, let's go. Welcome to episode seven. We're super excited to be talking with you guys again. Uh, last episode, we talked about taking back your personal power and your energy with the decisions that you make for your horses and your knowledge, learning things to empower yourself. We talked a little bit about the lazy horse and whether they're actually lazy or not, or if maybe they're unbalanced, hence the challenge. We want more people to do our challenge, actually. Standing <laughs> on one foot. <laughs> it was hard. I didn't <laughs> expect didn't it to be so it. hard. I I know. Well, you you were real fucked up, but you yeah, didn't but practice I, that. I, I worked on it after I rode and had some caffeine, and then it was much better. <laughs> it was hard so if you didn't see the challenge we were talking about proprioception and balance and the perceived lazy horse and then we kind of discussed a little bit about how sometimes those lazy horses are really feeling us being out of balance and they're trying to keep everyone safe by being slower and so we kind of were like well we should stand on one leg for 30 seconds with our eyes closed holding a teacup and let me tell you it's harder than you think so you feel so inclined post it in your stories and tag us (laughs) um this episode in lieu of valentine's day we are wanting to talk a little bit about love languages um the love languages that your horses have and maybe how you like to receive love and how that can affect and change your relationship and a little bit about choices and uh, probably some squirrels. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess the first thing is like, what are the love languages? So I actually had to Google all of them because I couldn't remember like what some of them, like I I always forget the gifts is one because I'm not like a gift giver and I don't care that much about gifts. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh yeah, that totally is one. Okay. So there's acts of service. So like, in my opinion, I would think that would be like the good horse, you know, like the one who I actually use acts of service a lot in my sessions where I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's their love language. Like they like going out and being consistent and being, you know, it's like flirt, like the horse that goes and does, and like, is very honest and true. And like, ask me something, let's do it together. And then let me go be a horse. (laughs) Do you think that that is that like, how you feel acts of service is also from a horse perspective. Yeah. And I was actually thinking about it this morning, um, doing your meditation and the message that he gave me, because I knew we were going to be recording. This was so interesting. Cause of course it was a line where 
I was like, what is the way that you want to receive and experience love? And it was like, I just want to go do the things and then be done. <laughs> go do the thing <laughs> and be done. It was like these separate, like, I want to go do. And so, yeah, I feel like for him, it's like that, um, that co-creation almost with you. And then definitely like his own time was, he was very clear about that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I, I really feel like those are like the acts of service horses where they're just kind of barely value being a horse. They value their turnout time, but they also want to show up and do a good job and be, you know, be praised for that. And, um, and then we have physical affection. So that's the nosy horse, the one that wants to touch everything and be touched <laughs> and be scratched and push into everything. And, it's so funny because obviously like when you start thinking about these things, like you identify your own horses and I'm like, man, I am not a physical affection person. Like that's not always how I want to receive love, but that is somehow what I've manifested in my life with like my husband, my dogs, my horses, like all of them love physical affection and they want to be like, like I have one horse, especially who I really struggled with. Like I said, I had a, I would always just be like, I have a personality conflict with this horse because he just wants to freaking touch me all the time. <laughs> so annoying and nosy and stuff. And so, but in realizing that and knowing that that is his love language and mine is not, we've kind of come to a compromise where I'm like, okay, I know this horse is going to want his ass scratched or he's going to want his ears messed with or whatever. And so now I'm just like taking that, taking the wobble out, as you say. And when I go get him, I just freaking scratch him for five minutes first. And then I'm like, okay, that's your compromise. That's enough for him. And then we can get on with our time together. But it's kind of funny how like for a long time, I pushed against, I swam upstream and like pushed against that and was just like, don't touch me. I would just not, not choose him. You know, I would just be like, you can just stay in the field. I'm not going to choose you today. I don't really want to deal with your pushiness. When in reality, all it took now is like me scratching his head for like five minutes. And then he's totally willing to do whatever we want to do together. <laughs> so How funny. do you feel about no, the physical affection? I was, um, I was thinking about this yesterday, obviously. And when I was interacting with each of my horses, I was just really looking at that. And my mare Clover is super. That's her. Like, because when you put your hand, she just will like close your eyes and just like hold me. So she's not pushy. But the interesting thing is that she's so sensitive to touch. So when you brush her, you have to be super present. You have to be it's like, she doesn't like it too light. She doesn't like it too heavy. It's like, you have to be very present and very certain about how you're brushing her. But I was like, it's interesting because if that's her mode of wanting to receive love also, it's like, it, there's a heightened sensitivity around touch at the same time. So it was really interesting and kind of like fascinating to be like, oh, hold on. I see that. <laughs> so yeah, I totally feel like that resonates. Yeah, that's cool. The grooming is just such an intimate thing in general. And I think so many times we aren't present when we groom our horses. And I was just thinking about that the other day because I got one of those Epona brushes after a horse told me that he liked like the way that it felt on his body. And because of that and getting the new brush, it made me so mindful for how I was grooming them. Cause I was like, do you like it on your body? And I was like testing it out on all of my horses and like really feeling into their, like 
the way that they were reacting and interacting with it. And I'm like, wow, I never do this. Like normally I will just like brush off the saddle space because like, I don't want dirt on me or whatever. And it was funny how, cause all of my horses are above my heads and they're all pigs. So like, if I really do a full grooming, it's in my hair. It's like on my face. I can feel it on my teeth or fuzzy. So normally, I, we have that Tennessee mud over here, so, but it was kind of funny how even just getting a new brush made me more present and mindful and something else was with grooming too. Um, this is a little bit of a squirrel, but like I, my main horse who I've had for like almost 11 years now, he used to be girthy. Like before I really got into like the body work and was really understanding what was going on with his body. He would be like, um, pissy anytime I brushed like his girth area or his belly. And it's funny how he has not been like that for a few years now, yet every single time I go to brush him, I am like, I get all stiff and I'm like hesitant to brush that area. And I'm like, why am I bringing this energy to this? Like, how is this still a thing for me? But yeah, grooming is a big, um, area of contention in my sessions. And what's interesting to me is no horse has the same answer. It is always something unique to like their experience with their person. It's not like this horse doesn't like like it's not, sometimes it could be static. Sometimes it could be the brush texture or the speed or the energy. It's like never the same thing for any two horses. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. I found that once we got those gloves, um, with the little yeah. nubbies, like game changer, all the horses were like, Oh, well, the, and, and, and it totally makes sense. We're like touching them with this inanimate object, especially those big spiky ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're just <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and some, you know, my two, they could care less. They're like, whatever, get all the shit off me. You know, and I, you know, I'm careful around the bony parts, but like, she's like, what are you touching me with? And I'm like, oh, (laughs) we got those gloves. And she's like, okay, yeah, definitely working my fascia out and getting me clean at the same time. I'm (laughs) I'm like, good. Okay, good. That is so true. The horses do really like those gloves. I have a lot of requests for them and it totally makes sense. I mean, we'd probably like that too. Mm -hmm. um okay the next one's words of affirmation so like the good girl um I find that horses that like words of affirmation are the ones that are like very sensitive to like input like they really get their confidence from their person or they like they want to be led by their person and they need that reassurance like hey you're doing good Also the ones that are like super cheeky that like demand a hello in the morning, you know, where it's like, don't you walk by my stall without saying hello to me. And like, I want to be greeted every single time. I feel like those are like the words of affirmation horses. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And I feel like it's words of affirmation too. It's like when you're saying and speaking that like, you're just reconfirming like your energy and what you're aligned with and how you feel about your horse. Right. It's just like, double up where it may be the words but it's like really solidifying how I feel about you right now and how I feel about you is that you're doing so great and everything is good and they're like ah. <laughs> yeah I know we all kind of need that too I feel like that's why we take lessons and that's why we like seek out trainers and stuff because we're like am I doing this right am I messing up like we all kind of have a little bit of like a words of affirmation need 
some more than others. Um, I honestly feel like, Oh, go go ahead. ahead. (laughs) I was going to say words of affirmation within my like human life make me super uncomfortable. Like, I don't, I don't want, (laughs) I don't want that. Don't tell me I'm doing, don't tell me I'm doing good. Don't tell me how much you love me. Don't tell me how pretty, I don't want any of that. Like, it makes me like, which is so fascinating. That is fascinating. But to that point, because, you know, we're both really into Abraham Hicks and her teaching is kind of like, she wants you to be so secure in who you are and how you feel that someone can be like, I love you. And you're like, that's great. Don't care. And someone can be like, I hate you. And you're like, that's great. Don't care. So maybe you're just sure of who you are that you don't really need those words, or maybe you just don't want someone's like input in what you're already thinking and feeling. (laughs) I think that's what I get protective of. Like, okay, don't tell me, you know, unless I'm in, um, in like a situation with someone who like I'm actively saying, Hey, I want your input. You know what I mean? If I'm talking to someone and we're having, we already have that agreement and it's like a safe where, you know, the input you're going to get is going to be something that's actually going to add to your experience. Um, thinking about my friend, Jody, who had said, don't yuck up my yum when she was expressing this thing she was excited about. And then immediately people are like, Oh, well, that's going to be really hard. Or, you know, I think I get really protective because a lot of the stuff that I've done has been sort of like not, and it'll stem back to my, you know, parents or probably because, you know, they're like horse training is a hobby. You have to get a real job so that you can afford your hobby, which is really expensive. And so every time I would get really excited about something and share it, it would be my yum being yucked up. (laughs) And so I'm kind of just really protective whether it's good or bad. Well, I love having the confirmation, like with the podcast, like people are saying such amazing things. And I love that, like that piece, but if anything that's too personal, I'm like, oh, well, oh. <laughs> <laughs> don't mess up my flow. Honestly, though, I feel like that is a boundary thing and realizing like what your boundaries are and how you want to feel because this is a little bit off subject, but I can totally resonate with that and relate to that because for a few years, I was attracting some pretty abusive mentors, like just people who I really looked up to. I wanted to learn from, they were very smart. And then they were very like verbally abusive and manipulative of my time. And it's because I just didn't understand, I think, my own boundaries. And like, I gave away a lot of my power, um, because I just didn't really feel smart enough to ask questions. And so when I would think about, so like, let's say I would like make some changes for my horse and I'd be super excited. And I'd be like, check out these feet or check out this. And I would like send it to the person. They'd be like, Oh, that's great, but you messed up this and you didn't do this. And so I can totally relate to that, how you are wanting to be excited about something and stay in that momentum. And you just don't want anybody freaking busting your bubble. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I get that. And I feel like courses kind of get like that too, where, uh, kind of back to not to always bring up biting, but I swear there should be a love language for horses and biting is number one, but they get so excited and they can be like in their little 
you know, mojo or whatever. And then they like bite you and they get in trouble and that like messes up their mojo. And I feel like they have like a similar momentum to us in that way. It's just a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So gifts, I was kind of thinking of like what gifts would be for horses, probably food, right? Like the foodies are like the gift receivers. Like that is the way they love to receive love. (laughs) Yeah. The little foodies that are like, give me a treat. Give me, did we run out of the bag of sticky treats? They would say in my sessions or like they have a preference of, um, like I talked to a horse the other day that requested a pair And I feel like the gift receiving ones are the ones that really love probably like positive reinforcement and just having like a little token of appreciation, but also, so like gifts from, so like material stuff from our standpoint, I never really have horses talk about things that they want. Like, so like Beamer blankets, people always I shouldn't say always, but most of the time have to ask about them. Like, do they like this versus the horse, like bringing up the actual object. But I never realized how important halters were to horses. That is the one material item where like, if a horse gets a new halter, they're really excited about it. Mm. Um, They care about how it fits. They care about how it looks like they can usually show me a color and the details of it. And like this week I talked to two horses with new halters. They both knew the color. They both talked about one actually said, did my halter shrink? Like something's wrong with my halter. And the lady was like, oh my gosh, that was going to be one of my questions because he won't let me halter him right now. And I know that he needs a new halter, but what is the issue? And I was like, that's exactly it. He's like, I need a new halter. So it shrunk. It's not fitting right. Um, so yeah, I didn't realize how like personal halters were to horses, but they kind of are. And now I feel like aside from the damn dog bed I bought that I should have you checking in with my horses and if they like their halters or not. <laughs> One more thing I have to think about. <laughs> yeah, they, um, and they, a lot of horses have different preferences. Like some of them like the leather ones. Some of them like the nylon ones. I talked to a, a horse, um, this week that was like, oh my gosh, we have to talk about my new halter. It's the best. And she sent me a picture of it. And it was one of those like Rambo fleece lined ones. It was like super puffy and fluffy and stuff. So yeah, it's kind of funny how those, so I guess the foodies and the horses that value their halters are like the (laughs) gift receiving horses. (laughs) Um, and then the last one is quality time and I don't know how you feel about quality time, but I was kind of thinking, so I have two horses that their love language is quality time. And that's actually my love language too, which is probably why I love those two and don't like the other. I'm just kidding. I like the (laughs) other two, but (laughs) I share the same love language with two of my horses and it makes us get along famously. So that's kind of why I was like, it would be so cool to do this podcast so that people can think about like what their own love languages are and how it relates to their horses, because I have a significantly different relationship with two of my horses. And I swear like a big part of it is the love language. And so like for quality of time, um, those two horses for me like to be hand grazed and ridden or whatever, like we spend time together but I don't do a lot of like, they're like, pet me with your eyes. Like you can hang out with me, but be in your own little bubble. I'm here. (laughs) You're there. 
We don't have to be interacting all the time. You don't even have to be thinking about me. You can be on your phone, do whatever you want. Like let's coexist together and do something fun, but like, don't be codependent and all up in my business. That is how I feel like quality of time can sometimes be. And what's funny is I had a student talk to one of the horses in my class and she was really eager to talk to him. And she said, yeah, when I try to connect with him, he kind of pushed me away and said, you can talk to me from over there and still hear me. <laughs> ma'am, ma'am, please back up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but don't you think that like people get quality time and physical affection way too intertwined? Like it can be almost like they categorize it as the same thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like thunder um was total um totally that way because you could I he was usually wandering around and I could go be teaching and he would just come and like stand you know what I mean and just like exist like he just liked sharing the space he didn't necessarily need that anything beyond that he was just like and the horses that I use in my mirror sessions are sort of like that like you'll see them come in and they love it I think and thrive in it because while everyone's meditating, they're all focused on their own bodies. They're all connecting to themselves and the horses just get to come in and share the space. They know that people aren't going to try to touch them. They're not going to try to ask them for anything. Like they just get to share this like really deeply connected space. Um, and he was like that. And, and it was just that like, he didn't necessarily come in to get pet, but he would come in and just like stand like three feet away while I was teaching. And he was like, okay, this is great. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I think that that totally makes sense to me. Yeah. And that is like, I think from an animal communicator perspective that I kind of want to like drive home is that physical affection and quality time are like two different things. And if you know your horse doesn't like physical affection, like don't force it on them. Cause like, if you that goes back to like boundaries and choices. Right. And we've talked about this before where it's kind of funny how if, you, if we were to offer an apple to our horse and they were like, ew, no, that's disgusting. We'd be like, Oh really? I thought you'd really like this, but you don't want it. That's okay. We wouldn't be like, eat the apple and then bring it like every single day for like two weeks and be like, how about now? Do you like this apple now? How about now? How about now? But if it's something that we want to do with them, like kiss them on the face or ride them or trailer them or whatever, we don't allow them that choice for whatever reason. We're like, what do you mean you don't want to be kissed? What do you mean you don't want to get on the trailer or put on your halter? Like this is freaking happening. And then we like pester them until they give in. And that is like such a boundary. I feel like physical touch is definitely a human love language, but also some of us just kind of need to, this is why I think learning their love language is important because if you do not understand the love language, you could be unintentionally crossing their boundaries all the time, you know? For sure. And then knowing your own, right? And if you're aware, oh, my thing is physical touch. And I know for sure every time I touch my horse, he's like, <laughs> maybe, just maybe I could find a middle ground. So um, yeah, so I think that's so good. Identifying what you think your dominant love language is, and then identifying what your horse is and, and kind of explore the different ways where that would either 
work for you or, you know, work in a way where you might have to look at things closer and compromise a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of thinking of what that would look like. So like, if you are like a physical affection person and you're like, I just have to kiss my horse and take selfies with my horse. Like what if, so sometimes like I would, I would tell people to like send love to their horse through like wrapping them in pink light or like wrapping them in like a green light or something. So maybe if your horse is like a little prickly pear and does not want to be touched, you can just wrap them in pink light and like touch them with your energy. but don't like kiss them and pet their faces all the time. And I don't think there's any horses that don't like words of affirmation, but sometimes people are really chatty and they can talk too much. And I kind of get in trouble with one of my horses with that, where he's like, I don't freaking know what you want because you don't stop talking. Like, how am I supposed to understand the cue? If you are like, good, 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 good. Like I'm like (laughs) for every little step. (laughs) So for horses that get a little confused, maybe those are the chatty Cathy's that need to chill it out a little. (laughs) Yeah. Talk to them with your energy. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think as far as gift goes with like the foodies, um, Okay. So a good one for that would be supplements. And this is a little bit of, we need to do like a whole podcast about like food and stuff. But, um, I have a lot of people who are like, he doesn't want this supplement. He keeps leaving it in his bowl. And I'm like, well, why do you keep putting it in there? Like if he's leaving it every single time, you're wasting your money. He doesn't want it. He had like, he looks forward to this meal twice a day and he's got this nasty poison in there (laughs) twice a day. Like just take it out. Um, I feel like we don't give them enough credit for what they know their bodies need. Um, so yeah, if your horse is not eating a supplement, take it out, man. Like (laughs) why is it still in there? (laughs) I feel like, um, Uh, My horses don't love, they don't love psyllium, two in particular, like Bam Bam is like, "Mm, no, thank you. And I'm like, we live on sand, like sand is, sand is our soil here. There is no anything but sand. And I test their poop, like, you know, every couple months just to make sure to see how much is it. And there's always sand. So I'm like, you have, you have to eat this. So (laughs) it was like this matter of what is necessary and what isn't, what clears, you know, what, what can their body naturally do? You know what I mean? In those situations, right? Like if he's saying, I don't need that. I don't like the way it tastes. No, thank you. But it's like, but I feel like you might actually need it. Do we just say no? Okay. He doesn't need it. He knows what he needs and his body will take care of it. Is that. Or that's where kind of like your human mind comes into play and you're like, all right, what else is comparable to psyllium that can you know, remove sand like that chia seeds. So maybe you can wet some chia seeds and put those in his food and he will be more open to that. Wow. Okay. Good. We'll try that. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, because I feel like there's always there's like always an alternative. And honestly, it could be like we could spend forever talking about this, but like every food has an energetic. So like psyllium, you know, is probably like more moist. I actually don't know that much about psyllium other than like I know that if you wet it, it gels up and like it really is good for for that sort of thing, like a lot of fiber. Um, so I would assume it's like more moist in nature and maybe he's already like a little bit moist and that's what he doesn't want. Or um, I talked to a horse the other day. What was he eating? Um, there was some sort of, well, she called it kitty litter. So just that I was like, oh, um, but she was like, it looks like kitty litter. And the horse said that when he eats it, that it chalks up in his mouth. Like he didn't like, it was like a texture thing that he didn't like. So sometimes it could be that too, but yeah, maybe try chia seeds for him specifically, just cause that's like a comparable, comparable thing. Experimental time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then quality time. Well, if you don't like spending quality time with your horse, then <laughs> I think you're in the wrong space. Everybody should be spending quality time. I was going to say like, what could you do if you're not someone who likes quality time, but like, oh, well, <laughs> yeah, because there are people who come to the barn and just get on and ride and then leave without the quality time. And I think it's important to note that like, if you do want a deeper bond with your horse, like getting on, like just going and seeing them and getting on them and asking them to do things for you and then leaving is not necessarily going to strengthen that bond. And quality time is something that I feel like every horse wants and asks for. And I actually talked to one today that the person was like, why, what's his obsession with the tractor? And why is he always coming over to the tractor? And he was like, well, that's my quality time with you. I know you're going to stop. I know you're going to pet me. Like, this is the time I have with you. And come to find out she's like going to school to get her certification. She has like 40 horses to take care of. She does it all by herself. Like it's this whole thing. And he's like, I know that when you're on the tractor, you don't want to run me over. So you stop and you pet <laughs> me for five minutes and that's our quality time. And I thought that was so interesting. So horses really do um value that quality time and I think it's up to people to really like take responsibility for that yeah and I always tell people like I, I look at it like a little pie chart you know what I mean I'm like in a healthy relationship there's like a quarter of the time spent doing your own thing quarter of the time spent them doing their own thing and then the other quarter is like you doing what they want to do with them and then, you know, doing something that might lean into the direction of what you want to do with them. And I was like, and if you can like keep their time, at least in a place where they have friends or they have something that like they can actually feel good about. I was like, that's how you want a relationship to be. You know what I mean? You don't want a one-sided relationship and you shouldn't want that with your horse. And you probably mm -hmm. wouldn't listen to this podcast if that's how you are. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, so true. <laughs> yeah, that's where compromise comes in and just doing that inner work. And speaking of inner work, I do. So this sort of ties in, but it's a little squirrel. Um, so for those of you who maybe don't know, Amber does uh, somatic breathwork sessions and she does some of them from a distance and it's a really cool experience where she plays like a certain type of music and she guides you through an experience that's kind of like a mind body soul thing so like you're returning to your breath and staying present but I have done a few of them and every single time I end up doing things that I'm like 
my conscious mind is like, I don't know what we're doing, but here we are. (laughs) And I am someone who is so weird about physical touch. Like it's just not my love language. I don't like it. And I find myself rushing through my relationships with sometimes because I don't want to deal with that physical touch aspect. So I'd rather like get in, get it done. Like I'm that type of person. And the last breathwork session that Amber did, um, she like invited us to like get up and dance and just like move our bodies. And it was like, I felt it was maybe like two minutes, but I literally felt like it was like three days where I was stuck up there, like moving my body. And you're like, keep going only a minute left. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me a minute more? And, and it's so funny because after that, I was like, how was that so hard to like get up and move my body and be creative and like, you know, experience that like vulnerability and new movement. But at the end of it, when I was finally like, let like just surrender to this, just do it. You're here. Like there, you have nothing to lose. I ended up like having this visual of my inner child, which, um, like I, I literally visualized like a little me in front of me for whatever reason. And I was like holding her hands and dancing with her. And like, um, you know how you can, how, like if a little kid comes up to you, like wrap both of your arms around them and like swing them around in circles and stuff. So I was like kind of doing that and just like telling her like how badass she is and like how much I love her. And it was such a cool freeing experience afterwards. So directly afterwards, I didn't really fully understand the benefit of that. I was just like, okay, that was cool. That was fun. That was something that like, I didn't realize would be so difficult for me to do. Um, but then after that, I found myself being like two days later, I was scratching all of my horses at like 9 PM out in their fields. And I'm like, what am I doing out here? Like, I never do this. And then I was cuddling with my dogs and just like feeling very like affectionate and happy. And I was like, it's that freaking breath work. And I felt so light after it. And I think it's because I just recognized like that. I do have that inner child who like wants to be realized, but the way that I grew up, I feel like I grew up very fast. I like became an adult very quickly. I was always mature before my age, you know, like everybody told me that I never hung out with kids and stuff like that. Um, and it was super interesting how just doing that breathwork thing, like gave me the, I don't know, ability to be more affectionate on like a subconscious level that I like, didn't even recognize until a few days later, I was like, wait a second, what is going on with me? (laughs) Well, yeah. And it's because that's the, the whole love language thing really goes back to like what you associate with how you grew up. Like there was no, I mean, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't any that I can even remember. And I was thinking about this yesterday too. Yesterday was a busy day internally <laughs> where I didn't get physical touch. There was no, like a lot, there wasn't a lot of hugging. And I even had this memory. Um, it's probably because I did the, the people that I got certified through do a breath work and I did it. And so I, of course, two days later, I'm like, um, where I had a specific, and I was thinking about love language too. I had a specific time where I fell off my horse and usually it was like back in the day where people were allowed to just drop their children off and then drive away, you know, and you just ran feral at the barn all day and Mm -hmm. I had fallen off and I had actually got pretty hurt and I called my mom at work. And I think that in my head, I really wanted her to show up at the barn and be like, Oh, are you okay? And I talked about this actually 
in my masterclass call that I did where I, the responsibility of me being okay all the time was put on me to take care of my mom or take care of whoever else. Right. And so I remember specifically yesterday that call and remembering how halfway through I had to be like, oh, actually I'm fine. It's no big deal. I'm okay. Like, yeah, I fell off and don't worry about it. Stay at work. But acts of service is my thing. And so I was like, why was that so impactful? Because I just wanted someone to show up and be like, oh shit, are you okay? (laughs) You know what I mean? And I was like, why does that one memory stand out so big? And it was like, oh, because that was my real understanding. Acts of service is my thing. Like when someone is like, and I don't, I actually can't identify whether it's acts of service or or time because um, when someone's doing an act of service for you, it's the time. I don't, I think it might be the time. Um, You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because it's like, Probably oh, a little bit yeah. And it's like, you're, if you're willing to cancel something for me, when something is happening, it's like, oh gosh, right. Like that means so much, but it, yeah, it really does feed into tapping into what did you need as a child? You know what I mean? What you didn't get. And when you do that somatic experiencing, it's like when you wake up those parts of your body that are holding that, that you're, that you're not even aware is being held all of a sudden you're just like clearing shit that like, I don't need to not expect touch. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get it anyways. Uh, That's not something I need. When in reality, even you were saying, you know, all the horses like at some level, you know, it's just like how much and where I think people are the same way, the connection and, you know, we want that. But if it wasn't something you received or you were disappointed around not receiving it or whatever, you just learned to, oh, that's not something I need. I don't need that. That's all right. I don't need that anyways. When it was like, well, maybe I did at some point and I didn't get it. And my body just, you know, so when you do that experiencing, it's like, you know, when the moment when you surrender to it and you're like, okay, I'm just going to like move, even though <laughs> I remember <laughs> somebody telling me uh, when I first started that she was like, I think I was twerking. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like an older lady. So it was super funny because just the way that she had said it and it was just like, I think that's what my body was doing. But like your body has all these like stuff, the stuff like locked in, right? And then when you just access it and you're like, how does this want to express? And all of a sudden it just clears it without you even having to really think too much about it. And so you have all these like crazy experiences that like, yeah, a couple of days later, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to always think and process and get through. So, um, so yeah, I'm glad that you have that experience. Yeah, that's actually really crazy because my, I married someone who his he likes to give love through acts of service and through quality of time and that's how I like to receive love also and also how I give love and um wow you really just like piece something together for me because I do have kind of like a little I never considered it a traumatic memory but I had like a extremely similar scenario where I got kicked in the head. Like I was, um, maybe like 11 or 12 and I was like running around with my horse. We like jumped across rail together and he got all excited and like kicked up and kicked me in the head significantly enough to where it like spun me around a few times. And then I like landed in the dirt and I like had to like get my bearings, but it didn't knock me out. And my mom came to pick me up later. And I still remember being like, mom, feel my forehead. It feels like a stretch Armstrong. Like there's like sand in it. It's crazy. And she like, stayed looking at her phone and like felt it sideways on like on my head and then I was like do you think it's fine like am I good and she was like yeah I'm sure you're good and like just you know stayed doing what she was doing and then we never revisited it and I was like yeah you're right I'm fine like 
I don't need to talk about it. I, but I was so, I like wanted her to be concerned at the time, I think. So like very similar. And maybe that's why that memory stuck with me and why, because then when I saw my little inner child, I was like, oh, you, what do you want? You vulnerable little thing. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing here? (laughs) You doing here, you little pipsqueak. Thought I grew out of you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so funny. Wow. What a great realization. That makes so much sense. I had no, like. I did not think that that could be tied into love language or something that I didn't receive based on how I like to receive love. Wow. I think a lot of people are going to get some good information from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just something that like dropped when I was like really going through, cause I didn't read the book or, but you know, I've talked enough about it, right. With people and stuff where I was like, yeah. I wonder how that correlates. And I was thinking about Clover and how like I was saying, her thing is physical touch, but it's like, she's so sensitive to everything. So it's like, uh, it's like an interesting, like, I wonder how that ties into, you know, how we, how our acts or how our love languages are even created. Like, where does that even come from? You know what I mean? We're just born that way. Or is it something from, you know, born from something else? And, um, and I was like, let me think about this. And so I was just driving in traffic, like (laughs) that's where my downloads come when I'm just sitting in my car. (laughs) And I was like, oh, interesting. So yeah, something to kind of think about is like, you know, is that something that I made okay or not okay, you know, or was, you know, something that I was deprived of or, you know, or it was made to be, um, there was judgment around it, you know, um, that's the kind of stuff that I feel like when you start to look at that, you can open up to a more expansive way of way of being right. So being able to access understanding that the touch, right. For you. And it was like, well, I can, I don't, doesn't necessarily have to become my dominant love language, but I can definitely interact at a, you know, um, a more expansive way with an animal or a person that has that as their dominant love language. You know what I mean? And the compromise and the place that you can meet in the middle can be much more accessible than, you know, nope, that's not mine. You stay over there. <laughs> well, thank you. You thank don't you. Really me back, you savage. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. What a great episode. Um, I think that was, are you good with ending with that? Yeah, that was good. I thought that was good. Maybe we can just end with understanding, really, truly understanding who our horses are and who we are. And obviously like we, as people all the time are like, well, I'm not going to change or like, you know, like we expect others to understand who we are and to not what do I want to say I want to say like not try to change us but like we sometimes will try to change who our horses are or we try to make them be something that they're not whether it's intentionally or non-intentionally so just maybe the intention of this episode is to look into that and really truly understand who you are and what your boundaries are and who your horse is and what their boundaries are and and their receiving love and not trying to change that, just accepting that and figuring out how to move forward and compromise. Yeah. And I think having, um, I think having the homework or the groundwork, the <laughs> identify, you know, what your love language is and then what your horse's love language is and share it with us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds fun. Super fun. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for spending time with us. Oh, 
we do have an announcement to make, which I totally almost forgot about, is that Shaylee and Amber's Tea House is going to have the enrollment open. It's a membership. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, it will be open. And so we'll put a link in the show notes for it. Um, we're going to do a lot of fun stuff in there. We're going to have a lot of fun things. Um, and just really with the intention of being able to dive deeper with some stuff, you know, be more expansive with the community that we have that we're feeling like is being built um, just from following the little nuts that we get <laughs> and for the things that feel good. Um, so this feels good. So we're doing it. So if you want to come with us, then come with us. Come join come. the party. We'll come to the tea party. <laughs> um, our first tea party, which is going to be live Q&As monthly, is going to be on the 26th of February. So we're going to open the doors um, in the next couple of days and then get in there before that starts because then you can be there live with us and yes. be in our private. So, all right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.